0: Hello, hello, hello. This is Self-Discovery with Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial. I am your O Salesia. I'm a certified life coach, an accountant. I'm also certified in the state of Connecticut to work with individuals in an active domestic violence and a sexual assault situation. I'm also a survivor of domestic violence myself. Self-Discovery is here to assist survivors in rediscovering themselves through my podcast with relevant topic, where we discuss it, how, why, and different solution. I like to interview survivors. I like to interview people who work with survivors in different capacity. And because I truly feel their stories help us to understand that domestic violence have different faces, meaning that the situation is never the same. All we share is just the title, survivors or we're in a negative situation or we're in a toxic relationship. But as far as the event and the different things that we have to go through to get out varies. And it's important for us to share these stories and share the people who work beyond the scene to assist us to move forward. So with further ado, my guest is Tonia, hope I pronounced her name correct. And here she is. She is a survivor entrepreneur. She works in the industry now, just as a service. I mean, she, I I'm so excited. Tania, please tell us your story. Hi, so
1: I'm Tweenia, and I am a survivor from at from Charlotte. And I now work and live in Metro Atlanta. Um, my story starts with I met my abuser. Y'all are gonna laugh he was drunk on my porch. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my goodness, that is funny.
1: Yes, he was drunk on my porch and <laughs> um, I was coming home from work. I had my son with me. I want to say he was three at the time. And um, I had I shared a porch. It was like split in the middle. And he was hanging out with my neighbor and happened to like kind of spill over to my side and i pulled up and i was like excuse me and and i went inside and and i came back out because he knocked over one of my flower pots
0: oh my god and
1: he mentioned that he wrote poetry or whatever and i gave him a poetry book not expecting to see this man again not expecting to you know get the book back um the next day he was on my porch again Mm -hmm. and he had wrote a poem for me Oh and he recited it on my porch and ever since then we were inseparable we got married quickly of course because you know love bombing mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were together for a total of three years um the abuse started um i'm gonna start this by saying that his favorite form of physical abuse was strangulation mm. So the first time I was strangled, it was after we had wrote our first book together and we were supposed to start finishing up our second. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were just having a hard time. He wasn't really, you know, following through on his end. And I told him that I didn't want to write books with him anymore. And he, you know, strangled me wow. and pretty much told me that, you know, I was taking his dream from him and how could I? And, you know, this and that. And to me, it symbolized that he wanted to control my voice. Mm-hmm. I couldn't share stories without including him in the stories. I couldn't have my own voice, you know? Yes. So the abuse continued to get worse and worse. And eventually I started, um, you know, putting money to the side um this was before i even knew what a safety plan was i started putting money to the side i started you know getting paperwork and stuff together i started you know looking at different jobs in atlanta i knew i wanted to come to atlanta it was something i wanted to do even before i had met him and gotten married and everything so you know i'm i'm planning i'm you know i'm trying to keep quiet about it whatever Mm -hmm. eventually it just got ridiculous. And I told him that I was going to be leaving.
0: Oh. And I
1: told him when I was going to leave, he continued to, you know, steal money. And like the abuse I suffered was all of them, financial, emotional, mental, sexual, like all of it. So eventually everything just really came to a head. I was like, you know, I'm going to be leaving the i don't know first first or second week in june he continued to steal money and stuff like that and eventually i was like okay forget it i'm gonna leave now so i attempted mm-hmm. to leave when he was sleeping he came he we we worked third shift, so we came home and he came and went right to sleep and i was you know trying to quietly pack my things in my car. I had a really small car at the time. It was a, a Kia Rio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was trying to put as much stuff as I could <laughs> into this little car. And I called my dad who lived like maybe 10, 15 minutes away. And I was like, hey, I need you to bring your truck. Such and such as sleep. You know, come and help me because I'm trying to get my stuff because I wanted to just go mm-hmm. without him knowing and just have all my stuff and I have to come back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately. He woke up.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Yes. And, um, you know, he saw that I was packing and he freaked out and he began, you know, to strangle me and all that stuff again. And this time, there was just a look in his eyes. I I knew that he wasn't going to let up. Mm. And it was to the point where I could taste the blood in my throat. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: And I looked over and I saw my son. He looked over and saw him and then he stopped.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Me and my son ran to the neighbors. I don't even know if we had on shoes for sure. We ran to the neighbor's house and I asked them to, to use their phone. Cause he had took t- taken my phone. Mm-hmm. He took my car,
0: mm.
1: all that. <laughs> so I asked them if they could help me called my mom I called my mom I ended up at this um at this this elderly couple's house and it was two younger women and this like elderly lady and I'm standing outside their house I'm using their phone to call my mom and he pulls up in my car and at this point I call 911 Because I'm like, oh my gosh, like he's out, he's coming out of the car, he's coming towards us. He knocks down all three of the women, including the elderly woman. My God. And starts starts choking me and strangling me again while I'm on the phone with the police. Like at this point, I'm screaming into the phone. While I'm on the phone with the police, they still take about 30 to 40 minutes to come, even though the nearest police station was like five miles away.
0: That's crazy. Not
1: even that far. So, my mom comes first. My mom is crazy. Like, I tell everybody, like, she's my ride or die. My mom doesn't own a gun. She owns a pink hammer. hmm And she said, I'm gonna bust this mf head open with this hammer. So, <laughs> my mom's crazy, y'all, but that's she's my ride or die. So, you know, my mom comes. By this point, he's gone. Like, he had stolen my car and driven off. We don't know where he went. Um, the police come, we go back to the house, we get all my stuff out. Um, I attempted to leave the dog with him because that was our agreement that he would keep the dog. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, no, we're not leaving him anything. She took the dog as well. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, my mom is my mom is something else. (laughs) Um, So, yes, I did the police report. I um, filed the restraining order the next day. I had to take off from work, of course. Mm -hmm. I had to tell my job that I was leaving early and, you know, I had to leave town, all of this, whatever, because he continued to stalk me. Like, he didn't care about the restraining order. He attempted to come to my son's school. Like, it was just... Business as usual Yeah, it was crazy. So I want to say everything popped off Sunday. I left that Saturday, like out of town, like just left. I got my son situated. He went with his father Mm -hmm. and I like just got in a car with my little bit of stuff. All I had was my clothes Mm -hmm. and my baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we just we came down to Georgia and I went back one more time after that by myself. Okay. Cause um I was I was borderline homeless initially when I came to Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just got really hard and he you know how they do. I'ma yeah. do better, come back home, things will be great. Mm-hmm. Yada yada. And I came back and I don't even think I stayed a full twenty four hours before he was right back to the same old same old doing drugs arguing mm-hmm. you know carrying on and so that time i was able to successfully leave without incident while he was sleeping i think being by myself and not having all of my stuff helped yeah, but the, yes but <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah the less stuff you have to take with you when you leave the better but yes um I successfully left and that was August of 2017 and I haven't been back since. Um <laughs> it's been most well it's been it's been no contact since our divorce was finalized mm-hmm. in
0: 2018.
1: Okay. And um in 2019 I joined a domestic violence organization called Safe Space Property Management Incorporated. And I continue, thank you, I continue to be a survivor and advocate. I found out recently that a lot of people are afraid to say that, but yes. I'm not. I am a survivor and I'm also an advocate. Yes. I also tell people that I'm a survivor thriver. Mm-hmm. Um, I am beyond the point of just surviving. Like I survived it and now I'm thriving. Yes. Um. I think, and I think it's very important that we say that because a lot of people, you know, they think, "Okay, I' left now. what They don't see what their life could be beyond where they're at right now,
0: Yes, you are correct. And, you know, I agree with you because, um, as a life coach, that's why I'm a life coach. I mean, I help people beyond domestic violence. But one of the things I specialize in is people who are transitioning, whether they're in the actual situation. I work with them on a one-on-one basis to be that person that walked them through the different step, get them a lawyer, and I'm available to them after hours. You know what I mean? And that's one the thing about being a life coach um, is more personal because when they call me up, we sit down, we talk about it, we come up with a plan. I ask them exactly what's going on. First, I ask them, what do you want to do? Do you want to leave or you want to stay? Because I don't make that decision for them. And as I said, we just want to work on myself because I feel when you work on yourself and you start loving yourself, you make good choices for yourself. So I if, agree that they're going to leave, they will leave, but you can't leave if you're not in that mode to leave because that person beat you down, as you know, emotionally, mentally. So you feel so bad about yourself that you need to have self-preservation. And my words that I've been using for the past year, my two words: self. I think I told you self-preservation and self-advocate. Self-preservation, the will to live, to strive, to survive. Once that kick in, that will help you to leave. But self-advocate is the part that help you plan, help you plan and find the people, the agency, the way to lead. You got to be motivated, but you got to have a plan.
1: Right. Plan. And that's something that I do often when I'm talking to um, survivors that aren't ready to leave just yet. I always mm-hmm. say, OK, like let's do a safety plan for a day to day, but mm-hmm. let's also plan for when you are ready to leave, which I yes. tell them, put money to the side, mm-hmm. keep the money with somebody you trust, open up an account they don't know about, you know, something like that, because the main thing that you're going to need other than God himself, when it's time for you to leave is money
0: money 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 money. and I tell people that I said like if there's kids involved you need to stop and think about where you're going to go with the kids and you need to make sure because when you have to constantly worry about your kids being safe that hinder your process from leaving feeling comfortable about leaving so you need to stop and think okay if I'm going to leave where do I want to go Where can I feel comfortable enough to give me enough time? What do that place have that I can capitalize on and utilize that till I get on my feet? What is the criteria? And it sounds crazy to think that far, but you have to think because you want to leave knowing that you are safe, physically safe, and you can take care of your kids. When you're by yourself, it's easy to hustle. But when you got youngins to worry about, that's another person all by itself. And once again, it depends on how many kids you have. One not bad. Two, get a little bit harder. Three, it's difficult. Four, challenging. Five, woo, it's a village. And therefore- Ooh, the and, let me tell, have... and let
1: me tell you something. A lot of shelters don't take more than five children. See? They, can, It's a max of six in a family. So mom, five children. Yeah. And we run into a lot of survivors that have Multiple. six, seven, eight, nine kids. And it's yeah. like- you know like where are we gonna put everybody you know like it's just really hard and but you know we're also mindful that a lot of abusers use the woman being pregnant as a way to slow them down as a way to convince them to stay oh we're a family so it it's all on purpose it all just you know makes it harder for them
0: to leave yes you you know the old saying barefoot and pregnant god abuser really believe in that barefoot and pregnant in the sense that The more kids you have with them, the more the tie you have with them. The more they keep you down because if they keep you pregnant, you don't have time to better yourself, improve yourself, go out and find a job, get back in the workforce, go out and interact with people. You're constantly taking care of the kids, you're constantly pregnant, you're constantly trying to get things to work. And the more kids you have, the more you feel you're invested. And they utilize that to really saddle you down and it's sad because I, you know, I don't want to put it out there, but there's, there's a possibility these people don't even love the kids. The mother do, but the abuser really doesn't, the kids is used as a pawn. And because yep. eventually when you finally do get away from them, they're not even care about seeing the kids or visiting the kids. They're more concerned about getting you back for the control purposes. So people need, not saying people shouldn't have kids, not saying that, but be mindful that kids doesn't make a relationship, kids will not hold the relationship together. Kids will intensify the negative and the toxicity in the relationship. Because in reality, if that person is not true and want kids, having more mouth to feed, more distraction away from them, because when you're with the kids, you're not focused on them. You're not giving them the undivided attention that they crave and your focus become your child which is a problem usually for most abuser
1: and having children with your abuser makes it harder to leave and be and just, you know, no contact because these family courts do not care about DV like that. No, they don't care nothing about it. They still want dad to have shared custody and be all at all the football games and this and that they could care less
0: about it. And so you really unless it's
1: something to. like really dire.
0: Yes, it'd have to be. In my situation, I was very fortunate. Um, I did get full custody, but it costs. It cost me. He was in jail. He, you know, could deal with attempted murder. He ended up in jail. And because of that, you know, every time he wanted to break from jail, he would pull me back to court because he didn't have to pay. And I would have to come back with my lawyer, pay for that visit, and I got full custody in the end. But it wasn't it wasn't an easy task, um, and that was in nineteen ninety something. Um, things have improved, but not all the way. We're still working on it. And so tell them, you know, from your from your agency. First of all, when you left, did you went to any agency when you first left, and how was your experience?
1: So, um, I originally was asked to go to a shelter in. Charlotte Mm -hmm. fortunately I didn't need to go to one while I was there all my family's in Charlotte so I could just go and live with family but the problem was I knew I needed to leave because he was continuing to stalk me so it wouldn't have mattered where I was in Charlotte he -hmm. was gonna pop up he was gonna find me I was probably gonna end up being kicked out the shelter anyway because you know like who's this guy coming here so And when, after everything happened, i left quickly anyway. I think I wanna say, yeah, like everything happened Sunday. I had left that Friday night, Saturday morning, but I reached out to quite a few agencies in Georgia. And I was told that I wasn't high risk Mm -hmm. because I had gotten away from my abuser and he quote unquote, didn't know where I was. And because of that, I didn't need to be in a shelter. I didn't need
0: services. So yeah. And that was in 2017. Now you work in where you work now. What do your agency do different versus what was told to you when you were trying to leave?
1: So we don't turn anyone away. Mm. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. If you need services and you need referrals and stuff like that we will help you. It It's not a timeline for us. Like just because it was 10 years ago, it doesn't mean that you're not emotionally dealing with mm-hmm. the trauma of being abused. Yes. So, you know, it's, we don't do a risk factor thing like, oh, you know, this person doesn't need help. This person does, everyone needs help. Yes. Um, something else that we noticed, you know, we're all survivors of color and advocates as well. Um, it appears as though, all of the survivors of color aren't given access to the same resources that other people were given. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: we're doing our best to be mindful of the people that are in the margins and making sure that they're not forgotten.
0: Good. Good. So, um, if someone needed to reach out to your agency, um, how would they get in contact with your agency to get assistance? So
1: we're on all social media, um, at, safe space atl and they can also reach us on our website safe safe space property management.com um if you would like services like you know safety planning case management um emergency shelter stuff like that we have um it's under our hours our
0: services and Mm -hmm. they would just fill out the form for intake and we'll give them a call now, if you're out of state and you need to get out of your state, how do that work? So
1: there have been um a few instances where we've where people from out of state have reached
0: out to us and want to help with relocation and we've helped them with relocation. Okay, so that's a good thing for people to know that if they're out of state and they're trying to get away, you can assist them in that area as well. Now, mm-hmm. the next question are you um how do you survive? How do your agency survive?
1: So we are what I I call the little engine that could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just keep chugging along. So we're still considered a baby or mm-hmm. a toddler in the nonprofit space or the domestic violence advocacy space, yes. because we've only been in operation since 2019. Mm-hmm. So all of our funding is, you know, from us, like we're spending our own money, um we get you know donations from people from facebook we've gotten a few small grants Mm -hmm. um from like kroger we've gotten one from i want to say all state um foundation but
0: it's just us you know like we're not paid or anything like that like this is just all hard work okay how many members is with your organization Mommy Axon? um we have
1: a board of
0: five Mm -hmm. yes five or six okay and and what brought you how you end up with them what was it that draw you to that agency or were you on the ground level help building it up how did it come about
1: so yes um i was ground level (laughs) so i met cammy Barnes. she's the founder and ceo of safe space property management through a mutual survivor yes and we just clicked instantly, um, similar visions. So she had already started filing the paperwork for Safe Space before we met, Mm -hmm. but we met, she told me about it. I was on board from the beginning. I joke that Safe Space is Cammie's baby, but I'm her auntie and I don't play about her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That that is wonderful. You know, just show people that you're a survivor but you're more than surviving you're striving and like i used to say from victim to victory and, yeah and the fact is that being in a domestic situation or a toxic relationship doesn't define your life as a whole you define your life you decide how you want it to play out you create all the chapters you create the end result for each chapter and you can actually go back and make tweak it because once a chapter is done yes it's done and it's move on to the new chapter but you can create anything you want in that book so tell me about the book you wrote even though it was with that toxic person what is the name of that book Is it an amazon okay so i'm the name of the book has been
1: it's been discontinued so we're not even going to worry about the book but i did write a book myself about i I literally started writing it before I left because I write poetry. Yeah. And I wrote throughout my he- my healing journey. Yes. You know, as a way to like, you know, cope and just get stuff out and stuff like that. So the book I wrote is called A Love Story Written in Prose. Oh, good. And, and where can we find it? So it's on Amazon. Um, I can share the link and I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. But it's pretty much the journey of me
0: learning to love myself again and learning to heal myself. Wonderful. I love that because I tell all my clients. So the moment I speak to them, I give them a book. Part of my package is a book, an affirmation card. And then right. I tell them, write every single day. It doesn't have to be a paragraph. It could be a line. It could be a thought. It could be a feeling. And I also tell them, do some type of movement um, if you can. Walk in. You know, Mm -hmm. be surprised, you know, stretching, anything like that. And when you're doing those things, let your body relax and let whatever comes to your mind flow because it's such a release of stress and anxiety and it clears your head. And I think writing is so therapeutic, is when you're able to write and go back and read it. You're like, wow. It's in black and white, and you're able to learn from what yesterday you. Always I agree. Learn from I yesterday.
1: agree. And yeah, you- like when I when I go back and read it, I'm like, whoo! I'm never
0: gonna be in that place again. Like, <laughs> and not only that. If you find yourself there, you go back and read, how did I get out of it? Mm -hmm. What did I use to get me out of it? And what didn't work the last time? So by doing journal, it's an experience. It's a guide that teaches you about yourself and your habits and the things you need to tweak about yourself. And it also shows you what part of you survive? What part of you strive? Your motivator, your passions. So in that writing, there's so much nuggets, so much good stuff about yourself that you can take and help you plan to move forward yeah. in life. And I think it's so important. And I, I've come. People don't like journaling. I say, you know something. Journaling sounds like you're supposed to be writing just about the domestic. No, journaling is everything. If you saw something beautiful, you write it it journaling in this situation is not about all negativity and i wouldn't say it's negativity it's about expressing yourself and whatever that expression look like that's what you write right and e- and even guided
1: journals i love a good guided journal because mm-hmm. sometimes you know i had a bad day and i want to write about something that's going to make me happy so i go and find a guided journal on you know Mm -hmm. topics about happiness write of your favorite color and things that you like that are that color and you know stuff like that to get to get me started and flowing Mm -hmm. and then i can go into what i really need to write about so yeah i because i'm bad at consistently journaling every day but when i need it Mm -hmm. i can go to a guided journal i can get started and it's it works wonders for me
0: Yes. And, you know, one of the things I think that also tell people with journaling, you got to make sure and think about the fact. Nothing is a have to. And if you skip a day, it's OK. Mm-hmm. Um, You don't don't never feel pressure. You don't have to catch up. There's no catch up. If something crucial had happened that you felt required your writing, you would write it. And when you finally do sit down and write, if you remember what to place that day it's good to write it then, but you don't have to because something traumatic will always stay with you, unfortunately. And, but it's also good in your journey to write, especially after you leave. And if you if you can do a journal when you're in the negative situation, but you keep the journal at work, if you're able to never keep it in the space, if you're in that relationship, keep it at work, if you're able to, or keep it at somebody's house that you visit- right and the reason is because that documenting all the things that happened that you can use later whether for yep. or whatever therapy you know and I always tell people counseling and therapy is very important um, a life coach is good but I work with a lot of clients who are in therapy because you can work hand in hand together because therapy to me is important it's maintenance, it's yep. maintenance. and it doesn't have to be a domestic violence situation, you don't have to be traumatic, but just in life general, maintenance, you do a wellness check.
1: But I, I will say that finding, what was best for me was mm-hmm. finding a therapist that specialized in trauma, especially when I first left, mm-hmm. because I need, in order for me to get over it, I had to work through it. Mm-hmm. And it's important to get someone that knows how to do that.
0: You're so correct. Um, I just finished with a client of mine. And after we were talking constantly and I tell her that you need a therapist and she got one and her therapist knows of me and we work together because you're right. I tell people all the time, you look for a therapist, your doctor, your GYN, even your life coach, you treat them all the same. You call them up, ask them questions that pertain to you. You know exactly what your needs are and don't get caught up with the affirmation that the letters after their names, the credential that that's important, but it's not the most important thing. Connection is the most important thing. Exactly. Not somebody credible, but it take the time to speak to them and hear their voice and ask them the questions that resonate with you. Make sure that they're going to give you the time of day and how they respond on these questions. If they take these questions as you invade on their space, they're not for you. Exactly, I agree. And it's okay to say no. Don't feel uncomfortable if you call a doctor and you say no. And sometimes they have everything you need, but you just didn't click with them. Say no. You can say no because it's your life. It's your well-being.
1: And it's your money. Yes.
0: Therapy is not cheap. <laughs> no, it's not, and so it's but it is not cheap. Well, the thing is that the investment. I tell yep. people the time. Ther- therapy. Um. Ocean, school, the things that we invest in our life, we have to learn to invest in ourselves and it costs. But I realize about a lot, but when you really want something, you find a way, but you have to look and see that it's going to benefit you and not everything that benefits you is monetary in the sense that you're going to get money out of it. You have to be right. in it, and
1: if you can't, and if you can't start with therapy, you can always start with a free support group, yep. safe space, property management. We offer free support groups, Thanks. um, once a month. It's every third Saturday at five p.m. and they're virtual, so we get people that are from all over the U.S. that come and hop on, and you know we talk about some challenges that we've had recently, some things that we're hoping for. Like, you know, we talk about different stuff every time, but that's something that you can do that's free to at least get started with dealing with everything. Yes. And then when you can afford it or you can, you know, get some slot and scale or something like that, then you can start going
0: to therapy. But you have to start somewhere. You are so correct. And just remember, invest in yourself. Self-preservation, self-advocate, having the will to survive, to strive, to champion yourself and take the step necessary to get those things done. Baby steps, whatever steps, every step, every inch counts. And sometimes we have to stop and look and see where we come in from and give ourselves a pat on the back. We got to remember to praise ourselves, love ourselves, constantly letting yourself know that you're doing a great job because you have to be the first to praise and acknowledge yourself. Don't wait for other people. They will come, but it's not up to them. It's up to you. Oh Oh my! Thank you. Such a pleasure. And let's tell people where we met. We met at the 2022 national coalition conference, domestic violence conference this year in St. Louis, Missouri. I am so happy I went this year and it was a pleasure meeting you and a a whole host of other women I've met that I hope. Yes. <laughs> Thank you again. And once again, just give everybody um, the name of your organization that's out there to help people. Once again, the name, please. So the name is
1: Safe Space Property Management. And we're on social media as Safe Space ATL. Our website is safe, S A F E, space property
0: Thank you, thank you so much. We're going to get ready to wrap it up. So we are going to, like I always say, remember self-love and self-care with positive affirmation is feeding one mind, body, soul, and spirit. Remember you are worthy of all good things that comes your way. And I drop a new podcast every two weeks. You will um, definitely, definitely, We'll get something out of listening to these podcasts. There's so many stories, so many crusaders, so many survivors, so many entrepreneurs that is in the process of helping individual, helping people out there. And I can be found on Facebook under self, all capped S-E-L-F, Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial on Instagram under self-transition life coach. You can find me on Twitter. On the Self-Transition Life Coach, my website is SurvivorEmpowerLifeCoachFinancial.com I'm on YouTube under the same name, Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial. My YouTube is about self-love, self-self-self in every capacity, self-advocate, self-preservation. And my YouTube channel, it won't be about domestic violence. It's about life in general. How do we have to advocate for ourselves in life as a whole and just all good stuff. So thank you again, everyone. And I'm looking forward to follow, subscribe. Can't wait.